Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Thanks for being here. So, you know, process, human beings are pack animals, and we're also pleasure seekers. So everything that we do somehow adds up to pleasure, right? That's one theory. So when you look at your day and how you break up, how is it serving you, right? Because if you think you want to make money and create alpha, awesome. Love it. Welcome to the show. So what do you do during the day, though, to help push you towards that goal? when you think everything that you're doing is to avoid pain and to enjoy pleasure. Because sometimes managing risk doesn't necessarily feel good. The things that you have to do, right? Fight or flight mode, right? So really, really good financial decisions don't oftentimes feel good, even though they're absolutely necessary. Like when you're coming through frustrating periods of time and you've got lots of stalled breakouts, Right? What do you do? Well, you've got to stop your equity. Otherwise, you could take big substantial losses and be in a drawdown. So that simple aspect of being unwilling to feel your frustration because it doesn't feel good and just leaving the risk on leads you to a 20% you know, drawdown, for example. And then crypto, that was, was probably more. So what does that feel like? What does it feel like to not want to feel your frustration from getting stopped out and adjusting your stops to at least break even, for example, right? And going through that day after day after day for months, right? Knowing that that's the right thing to do, to kind of saying, well, I'm not going to be responsible anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to delegate that feeling. In fact, I'm just going to get away from that process. I'm going to remove that process from my overall process and I'm going to throw it all to the wind. So then you invite new feelings. How does it feel to be in a 20, 25% drawdown where who knows what? Maybe you could have gone to cash earlier. You could wait for those names to sell off, look for them to consolidate, and then see as they start to break out to the upside, you could add to your position or get back in at lower prices. How does that feel? So ultimately, you find that when you manage risk, you have not just a portfolio of names, most probably long, maybe some of you have short positions, maybe some of you are spreaders, but you realize that you also have an emotional portfolio that you're running at the same time, right? And the goal is for those to converge, right? I think that's what was meant in, you know, Ed's chapter in Market Wizards. He said the goal is for the trader to develop a system with which he, and I'll add he, she, or they, are compatible, because when you think of compatibility, you think of harmony, you know? That's kind of what the ethos was from that statement. And that's a really good place to be. There's a harmony there, right? And that's a, that's a really good spot to be because you're self-reliant, you know what to do, you know where to source your ideas, and you know the appropriate level of risk. And I say appropriate because you can have too little and you can have too much. You see? And so... When you learn to appreciate all of your feelings, you kind of come to understand that the frustration that you were feeling from adjusting your stops higher and getting knocked out, who knows, 19 out of 20 times in recent months, that that feeling of frustration was actually there to protect you from feelings of despondency when you could have been down 20 to 50%. Because either way, you're going to feel something. And so you need to have that integrity with yourself around those feelings and be willing to feel all of them because they're all trying to teach you something. It's heavy, very, very deep stuff, right? They don't teach you that on CNBC, right? They'd be looking at you like, the hell are you talking about, son? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, we have to go to a commercial break now. 
uh, they come back and say, you know, Mr. Martin was called away to a an emergency <laughs> or something, and uh, we're going to get back into picking your favorite ticker. So, um, you know, think about this when you build your goals. You could build your goals and you say, well, I want to make X amount of dollars. Well, that's the end result of the goal, right? That's the runny nose part of it. Usually that number, whatever it might be, say you want to attain $100 million in the market or, you know, you want to set up a family foundation or what have you, you know, that's an event, that's a task. What had to happen first? There probably had to be a process for both the accumulation of the wealth as well as the maintaining of it. And that typically means there's a process and that process has to feel good. So when you look at the process that you have to hit your goal, right? Because, you, you know, say, oh, I want to live in Scarsdale, um, in the home office in Scarsdale, New York. You know, what are you willing to do to get there? Because that sets up the process. Just stating a goal like I want to have a Rolls Royce, I want to live in Scarsdale, or I want to have homes around the world. You know, what the hell does that mean? Those are just data points. But, you know, what do you need to do to get there to attain the math or the financing? So that part's a little different, though, because now you have to apply a process to it. And I think when I look at a lot of people who send me what their goals are, they're just numbers that they're not really emotionally connected to because they don't even know what the process would be to get there in the first place. Now, on some level, it might not necessarily be important, but that implies one thing is going to happen, that they're going to take an, a, a step immediately, right? Because you don't necessarily need to know how you're going to get there, but you need to start the process. You need to start picking up the phone. You need to start speaking with people to generate you know, the revenue for your business, whatever it is that you're doing. So I come back to like thoughts, feelings, and actions. You set a goal for yourself. Make sure the goal is around a process. And make sure the goal is around a process where the feelings in that process are going to be something that you can sustain. And then have the willingness to feel the stuff that's different. Because if everything that you're feeling right now feels good, but you're not where you want to be, you're going to have to change and shake your shit up a little bit. I find a lot of times that with people who have substantial means, there's a lack of motivation because they're, they're, they're actually complacent because their life is already good. They're already worth nine figures. What the hell they got to do? Nothing. Their life is going to be really, really good as long as they don't lose. So I find it, you know, it's hard for them to hit their goals because if they don't really do anything, their life isn't going to change all that much. So it has to, they have to be deeply connected to what it is that they want to do and then have the balls to take the action and, and take the steps that they need to take. Because sometimes goals, at least at the beginning, are not going to necessarily feel good because it's going to mean new behavior. And new behavior feels weird. I think that's the word that people would use. So it takes some time to get used to. And depending on who you read and what you read, you might come to find that a lot of folks believe that it might take as much as, you know, two months for that new behavior to become habitual. It becomes much more automatic. But if you do it one day at a time and don't try to sabotage yourself by saying, yeah, I'm going to just take a day off, just keep doing it. You know, make a goal to do it for at least new behavior, small step, two months minimum.
Because I promise you over time, when you start to think that way, when you're into your second month or the second group of 30 days, it's going to not feel as weird. The weirdness is going to go away. Then if you want, what I used to do is say, okay, well, what does weird really mean? Because weird is kind of one of those words where you're using the F word, right? The F word could mean a whole bunch of stuff, depending on how you use it and what's the inflection. So likewise, when you say weird, weird could mean a lot of stuff. It means different. It probably means when you think about it that you're just feeling new feelings. Those feelings are going to, it's going to take a while to get used to feeling those feelings. But if you want different results than you're getting, you have to invite new behavior, different behavior. Because behavior predicts where you end up. And if you're not kind of getting there, you know, maybe you're just creating a long base for yourself and eventually you'll break out. I don't know, hard to say in this hypothetical. But just be aware that your, your, your emotions and your psychology oftentimes drive your behavior. So when you feel strong feelings, don't shy away and turn your back to them. Invite them in and see what they're trying to tell you especially the ones that you don't want to feel. Then in some of the coaching stuff that we do, we also ask you to say, okay, well, look at your productive activities, your non-productive activities. What are you doing during the day? You might find that the things that you actually need to do are not getting done. You might find that the things that you're doing are actually feel-good things. I mean, so much of financial advising now, as you go into anyone's office, they're sitting at their desk watching TV all day. That can't be what you envisioned for yourself on how you want to, that's, you know, not terribly productive. You could stay home and do that. Some of you might have to because of COVID-19. So think about being productive. If you're going to do that for eight hours, how can you do that for two hours and still get the same results? We talk about Pareto efficiency, right? What else can you be doing during the day? So if you had really, really strong goals and you're a financial advisor, your goal could be to get on the phone more to do more outbound activity and socialize, appear in the convoy of affluence, right? And meet other and meet more people. That remain, that means, you know, getting out and doing work and hustling. It's weird for people who are worth 200 million to probably feel like, what do I have to hustle for? I already hustled. But that's why it's important to have a goal. Like, what's it all about? Is it about killing the days and not having any real upsetting things happen? That's certainly one way to do it. But growth, you know, goals and growth go together. And it all comes down to behavior. Now, what's trickier is in the subconscious, right? And I'm not a psychologist, but a lot of times there's things that happen because our environments have a big, you know, impact on us, whether we like it or not. And there might be things that you just got used to that have happened so much and so repetitive that you don't, you're not even conscious of them anymore. And it's deep in your mind, like, you know, behavioral software. And so you're just going through the days, not necessarily blindly, but not putting a lot of consciousness into what your actions are, right? I know that happened for me. And just one day becomes the next. And you're like, what the hell's going on here? Spent all this time doing stuff. Where, where's my time going? Where's my time, money, and my effort going? And am I hitting my goals? So then you have to say, okay, well, why did I do this? What do I think I'm getting out of this one particular thing that I'm doing on Mondays? And then what is my Tuesday activity? What were the results? And what, how does it serve me emotionally to do these things? What could I be doing better? And then here's the kicker. What new feelings do I need to embrace if I try different behavior that, I, that might not feel so good? might give me fear. Give you a good example for those in the investment advisory space, 
there's a huge part of your business that's marketing. So if you're asking people, you know, for business, you might have to face rejection. And it's hard, it's hard for people to accept rejection because it's hard for them to not take it personally. So you might have to work on your feelings around that. Because not asking for business means, you know, you're, you know, you're never going to get the client. They're not going to come walking in the door and kick you in the ass and say, hey, here's my money. What took you so long? I've been dying to give you this money. I mean, that never happens. So someone has to be in charge of that process to close the business. Now, there are people who love that, that part of the game. They don't know how to create alpha, but they don't need to. They're, they're in the sales and marketing. They're, they call it client relationships, relationship manager. But in the end, it's consultative sales. And that means you have to ask for the business. Right? That means facing rejection. So asking someone out on a date. No, I don't want to go on a date. I know someone who I'd rather be with than you. That's kind of hard to hear. But sometimes rejection's got protection. <laughs> so, so think about this and invite the feelings because so much of this business is about emotions and psychology on the asset management, on the compliance stuff, on the sales and marketing, and then on the alpha creation. There's all emotional systems that go with each part of that. Think about it. Why do you think companies are putting people through your ESTJs and your Briggs Myers and all that other kind of stuff is, is they need to figure out the personality type and align the personality type with the function because they have lots of data to know like what personality types are really, really good at certain functions. And if they don't have that, it's not that they can't succeed, but it's going to be much more of a struggle to get to that spot. So what does it mean for you? Well, if you find that you don't like the marketing end of it, but you're really good at alpha creation, that's a good thing. Because now you know that you need a business partner or a TPM third-party marketer to help you with that angle of your business. So you can feel the feelings that you want to feel for what you know how to do, but you don't end up suffering because you don't want to feel the feelings around sales and marketing, even though that's an integral part of your business because you need to gather assets. So having that type of clarity can help you make better decisions, you see? You know, likewise, if you love and you're gregarious and you love being out with other people and you love the game of it, but you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to creating alpha perfect. That's a good thing because it's important to know, you know, because one, it tells you that you need to either get comfortable in learning how to create alpha or you have to find somebody who can do that for you. But all of that adds up to success. So don't be afraid to feel those feelings you know, and figure out like, okay, if I'm unwilling to feel the feelings, but the job function that goes with those feelings is integral to my business, I need to find another person to help me with that. Either bring them on as a partner or pay them per diem or what have you to get the job done. Because then one and one equals three. But to avoid the emotional part, you're putting your head in the sand and it isn't going to go away. When you sit down with your journal and your book and you're writing out your plans, make sure you pay attention to the emotions that you're feeling and the ones that you that you like, the ones that you don't like, and then figure out, well, what processes, where are those feelings attached to those processes and how integral are those processes to the success of your overall business? This is how you make gigantic progress. But to not pay attention to it is going to keep you where you are, in my opinion. Anyway... A lot of stuff to think about this weekend, and uh, if you have any questions, you know where to reach me. If you haven't already gotten a, a copy of the audiobook version of The Inner Voice of Trading, you can get it for free at my site. I wish you 
a great rest of your day and a great weekend. I'll see you Monday.